Welcome to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast, where we share examples of leadership and innovation. Small entrepreneurial businesses, large mega corporations, and all types of enterprises in between are seeing a global shift in perspectives around the role of business in society. From ESG investing to sustainable finance to social impact in our communities, we're on a journey to leverage data and intelligence to make the best business decisions possible. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for joining this special World Economic Forum Davos podcast. This is Kisa Shreen, and we have Andre Shanavat, Refinitiv's Director of Product Management, who is live in Davos at the World Economic Forum. Andre, thank you for joining. Thank you. So, Andre, take us behind the scenes at Davos. Lots of discussion around climate urgency. And then you have Greta Thunberg's passionate words. What are some of the climate change themes and which voices are emerging? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So um, obviously, uh, with with the WEF this year, uh, I don't know if uh, some of the uh, listeners uh, have read the World Economic Forum report on what were some of the top risks uh, perceived by some of the uh, business leaders and, uh, and 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 politicians alike. But actually, in in the top ten risks, I think most, if not all, of them were actually. Uh, there's a, there's a very, very strong uh, theme around climate change and uh, how companies are basically going about addressing that. And, you know, it can be just uh, as you're walking down the promenade uh, and, you know, you have all these various shops, that are, you know, are either bakeries during the, the normal time of the year. But uh, when it gets to, to Davos, they, they transform into uh, Salesforce and other various companies. But as you go along and you just look at the advertisements, you know, every every company that's there is pretty much banging a uh, some sort of, an, uh, you know, an, a positive environmental message. Uh, so, for example, I think it's Zurich Insurance. They give away these uh, blue bubble hats. And uh, for every one that you take, they, they plant a tree. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the bubble hats are, are sourced uh, sustainably, but you know, sustainability is, is just such a, a key, key theme here in, in, in Davos this year. Everyone's talking about it. So great. So sustainability, ESG, even green crime, all of those themes are really emerging. One of the themes that is pretty important at this point, carbon correction. Could you tell us what you're hearing about in terms of carbon correction and how that's resonating with the attendees? So it's actually resonating uh, really well. Uh, so I say really well in in, in terms of uh, a lot of people. Uh, it gives them a sense of uh, what what that what that impending uh, you know impact uh, could look like, right? And what David's blog really um, opened the lid really on on and putting numbers, you know, based on information that we have. Uh, on exactly what that that potential cost of global cost of carbon uh, could look like, so, and it's very significant. Uh, so you know we're we're talking about you know somewhere between one and four trillion dollars uh, worth uh, of um, you know cost that is not being uh, priced in by the by the markets today. So what's actually capitalized by the markets today is actually just a very small uh, percentage. Um, 
And we also know, having looked done uh, other research around the carbon question, we've also got a, our own database and we look at internal carbon pricing, for example. And there's only, you know, uh, there's not that many companies that publicly, you know, state that they have an internal carbon price. So we've identified around uh, 80 uh, companies that have uh, publicly stated what their internal carbon price is. And uh, and that's important because it means that the companies are actually, when they're doing uh, an assessment about whether they're going to open or kickstart a new project, then they're going to actually incorporate an in, that internal carbon price in the uh, in the uh, in the analysis. But there are uh, many, you know, many, many, many companies. We've got seven thousand one hundred companies in this database, and if you see that there's only about eighty that actually report on internal carbon price. You know, there's obviously, you know, there's a question mark there. Are companies really baking in? Uh, even, uh, you know, the European Union's um, emissions trading scheme, which is the most uh, mature uh, globally, and that and that's around, you know, $24, $25 per tonne. Uh, you know, uh, are companies really uh, thinking uh, about what the potential uh, price of carbon would be if you had a carbon tax at even forty dollars. Uh, in the in the uh, carbon correction piece that David published, you know, the IMF have a twenty thirty projection for carbon at seventy five dollars uh, per ton. Uh, so you know that that's um, depending on which industry and sector you're in, that 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 can that can have a serious impact. So a lot of the discussions that go on today is around transition and engagement and banks helping companies through that potential transition risk and uh, and doing it in an orderly way. So what we want is an orderly transition to a low carbon economy. Uh, but what we don't want to risk is uh, where governments have to, uh, you know, enforce very strict uh, policies, which we need to, we need to do this transition in an orderly fashion now. Uh, we, we, we can't really wait uh, in order to, to implement this. Okay, great. Sounds good. So um, one of the things you mentioned, the the blog, and you're mentioning the blog by David Craig, CEO of Refinitiv, um, around this around this topic. So thanks for sharing that. We're talking a bit about corporations as well. And I know that a couple of corporations have made waves, um, great statements, and really making bold um, statements around commitment. I'm thinking about BlackRock, Microsoft, for example. Could you give us a bit more insight in what's happening with the statements that these large companies are making and the examples that they're setting? So I'll start off with uh, with Microsoft because um, it was a very bold statement. Uh, obviously, a lot of companies, including ourselves, you know, uh, you know, going or are carbon neutral um, or are aiming to go carbon neutral. But uh, what Microsoft has announced and going carbon negative, i.e. even taking away uh, emissions that they've even produced in the past, uh, goes above and beyond that. And uh, and obviously that is, that is uh, impressive. Uh, it's, uh, it's a time-based goal as well. So, you know, I think it's around by 2030. Uh, that they aim to, um, to to implement Microsoft going carbon negative here, you know, and we know this the scale of the carbon challenge in front of us, and I think 
maybe, you know, carbon neutral is great, but there's obviously we need to do even more to do that. So you're seeing other initiatives like the the Trillion Trees uh, initiative that was kicked off by the World Economic Forum, um, which even uh, Donald Trump in his speech uh, announced support for for that uh, initiative. But there are many other companies that are, are getting behind this as well. So that's, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, we're seeing a lot of companies um, going, it's, uh, it's positive. And I think there is this general feeling of this momentum around around this topic uh, that it's impossible for, I think, boards and, and C-level members that are here, you know, to not address this this issue, regardless of which sector industry you're in, frankly. Um, you know, it's, it's something that they're, they're definitely um, looking to uh, incorporate and uh, as part of their strategy. ESG really crossing sectors, crossing industries and having an impact um, with in the market in general. One of the things that we really wanted to point out as well is how institutional investors are responding to these themes. So the themes that you're mentioning that companies and organizations are really setting out agendas that they're laying out. How are institutional investors responding in your conversations with them? What what tends to be the conversation around um, ESG and the commitment that these firms have taken? Right. So it's there's uh there's a lot of um there's a lot of different approaches uh that institutional investors are taking but i think what we're hearing loud and clear is investors um it's important for them to communicate to their stakeholders what is decision useful informate esg information by industry and by decision useful uh basically mean you know instead of Look, you know, focusing on, uh, you know, hundreds of, of various data points, ESG data points, just focusing on the core, really material factors, um, you know, that are important uh, within each industry. And basically, ESG is just seen as a way of, you know, reducing your risk and also enhancing your returns. It's not a, uh, we've moved on from, the, the era where ESG was a means of just excluding or divesting from from uh, particular stocks, but as, a, as actually as a tool to, to engage with companies, change corporate behavior for, for the better, for the long term. And ultimately, those institutional investors care about long-term value creation. And, um, and, and these are obviously not just long-term issues. These are issues ESG issues that address the now, which is which is critical. Um, other interesting uh, insights I've been hearing uh, from other institutional investors. Some are saying that you know, with all the focus being on climate change and climate-related data, we shouldn't be blindsided. But by uh, just focusing too much on that, we should never lose sight of the both social and uh, corporate governance uh, data as well. So uh, we've heard various banks, uh, you know, that are cognizant of the fact that, yes, um, customers are demanding, you know, either, you know, uh, investments that are going to be positive from a climate change point of view. But in the S and the social and the G and the governance, you know, these are important quality factors to look at in terms of how a company is run. Uh, what, how is it uh, retaining its talent, its staff? So ESG gives you that window in, in, into that culture, which uh, few of the data sets can uh, provide you. 
Great. So reducing risk and improving return, obviously key for investors, but also really looking at social impact and governance is something that can move the needle. So for investors. So in terms of just wrapping up, what do you think will be the key achievements of Davos 2020 that will impact the markets moving forward? So I think Davos 2020, really, again, this year, with the focus really being around um, climate, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, a lot of discussion around um, a kind of, uh, how would I put it? It would be a kind of a, a consolidation, a standardization, and a harmonization of standards. It's quite a mouthful, but... There are, as, as many of you uh, listeners may be aware, there are many different uh, reporting standards uh, for ESG. And today, uh, I think the Davos 2020 has brought a spotlight in how can we consolidate these, standardize them, and harmonize them over time. So there's a, there's a lot of conversation around um, what are the key factors that we need to, to focus on. And... Um, the future of sustainable data alliance, which we, uh, we which we partner with the World Economic Forum, amongst other partners like the UN and uh, Everledger and uh, a number of other firms, uh, is in that direction. Is to support uh, the investment community to really focus on uh, what are those key key criteria that we need to, uh, you know, um, you know, help the investment industry to to measure against uh, because, you know, there, there are many, many different factors out there, but which ones are the ones that are, are really matter uh, that will support the SDGs and which will support, you know, the transitions to a low carbon economy and a more equitable, uh, fairer system, you know, that, you know, that's, I think Davos 2020 will, will definitely um, put a stamp on that. I think also just on the climate change piece, we're really getting into the detail now about, you know, quantifying what is the carbon risk? What is that transition risk? And obviously, you know, David, uh, David Craig's, um, you know, blog uh, sheds a light on that, but there's obviously a lot more work going on behind the scenes and how we're partnering with, with other companies in order to get a, be- a better handle on, on, on what that is and how, and how investors can, that can help guide uh, their customers to, uh, so, you know, hopefully an orderly transition. Great. So from bold statements by individuals and companies to quantifying carbon risk, climate change and green crime to investor values and really harmonizing reporting standards. Lots of great information and direction coming from you, Andre, live at the World Economic Forum for Davos 2020. Andre, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Andre shared his views on Davos 2020. And now Antonio Zapola, CEO of Thompson Reuters Foundation, details another important issue impacting the market and discussions at the World Economic Forum. Green crime. What we're really seeing is that there is definitely a spike and an increase in green crime. And I'll give you perhaps two examples. One is Brazil. Uh, we've seen a, a huge increase in uh, logging, in illegal logging and deforestation in Brazil since uh, the Bolsonaro government. Uh, a number of reasons. One, it's very difficult, for example, to patrol the Amazon, which is effectively where this is taking place. And also the government has cut back 
policing in, in, in the region. So we've seen drug cartels actually moving uh, from drug trafficking to illegal deforestation because it's much more profitable and it's, it's less risky. Mm. So we've seen this trend happening in Brazil right now. Uh, another trend that we're picking up through our reporting uh, is palm oil. Uh, Malaysia and Indonesia in Indonesia are the biggest producers of palm oil uh, around the world and, um, and the demand is mostly coming from China and it's coming from India and what we are actually noticing is two things one that China effectively is outsourcing deforestation um, and then the, uh, the demand for palm oil uh, uh, permits to effectively uh, you know, introduce palm oil plantations is driven by corruption uh, in both countries. Uh, and when it's not driven by corruption, so we're talking about illegal plantation of palm oil, uh, it actually leads to fires. Fires is a huge issue in Indonesia right now. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a human cost which is very tangible mm -hmm. and is very present, difficult to quantify, but the trends are older and they are pointing in one direction, which is corruption. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. Thank you for joining. See you next time.